You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. We've been in the book of Philippians the last few weeks, and if you're new to the church, just so you know, we've been reading through Philippians. We just got done with the book of Acts earlier this year, and we wanted to focus on the letters that Paul wrote while he was under house arrest, and one of those books is Philippians. And we've been talking about a series about Think About These Things. And the first week we talked about in chapter 1 about thinking about the gospel and how our focus should be, everything should be for God's kingdom and we should be focusing on how do people get to hear the good news of Jesus around the world. The second week we talked about thinking about others and that's something that we don't often do. Sometimes we think about ourselves and we think about what's important to us, but thinking about others is uh, imitating Jesus' servant attitude that the way he served others and he concerned himself for others and how Paul talked about uh, consider one another better than yourselves. And that's the attitude that we should have. In week three, in chapter three, we talked about thinking about heaven and how we are citizens of heaven and we should think and act and conduct ourselves as though this world's not our home, but our focus is on heaven and on eternity. And everything that we should be doing should not be focused on what we can gather and gain in this world, but what we can do for God in the world to come. We're in chapter four. If you want to turn there in advance, you can go ahead and do so. We will have it on the screen behind me as well in case you are wondering. But hopefully you have a Bible or an app. There's really no excuse not to have a Bible these days, really. Even if you left it in the car or you left it at home, if you have Google, if you have an iPhone or an Android, you're able to find what we're talking about today. So turn there to Philippians chapter 4. And I was thinking about this the other day as, as I was reading through chapter 4, and my first thought came to me is this, is that have you ever prayed about something and God gave you peace about it? You ever been there where you've prayed and you're worried and stressed out and you didn't know what to do and you prayed and God gave you peace? But how many times after you've just got done praying that the phone rings or something happens or somebody needs something and all that peace goes out the window? It almost seems like it was planned to kind of get you off track and get you off course. And the truth is it probably was. The enemy probably did that just for the purpose of setting you off course. How many times have you prayed, found peace, and then later on, as you started thinking about all the things that you needed to do that day, or maybe even that week, and you started thinking about those things, and all those stresses, all those worries, all those anxieties started coming up again, and that peace that you once had just a few moments ago is now completely gone and completely uh, replaced with stress worry, anxiety, and fear. I know I've been there myself, that I go to the Lord in prayer, I feel a sense of peace about it, I go into my day, and then there's moments where all those, those things that were bothering me creep up again, and they kind of choke out the peace that I had and the, the, the calmness that I had in that moment is now completely gone. Our stress leads to worry. Our worry leads to restlessness and anxiety, and anxiety leads to fear and paralysis. What do I mean by that? You ever had so much to do that you're just like, I just can't even today, and you just do none of it? 
You ever been there where like, I've got so much to do today that you're just overwhelmed? And because you're overwhelmed, you just think you can't function. Because you can't function, you just don't do anything. And what happens is you haven't actually dealt with anything. You haven't helped anything. You've just made a whole lot more stress for yourself by pushing it off an additional day. Procrastination doesn't make things go away. It just makes you more stressed out when you have to do them. Because the deadline hasn't changed or moved. It's still the same. Now, some of you work best under that kind of pressure. But can I tell you something? As you get older, that's really not good for your heart. It's not good for your body. Don't put yourself under unnecessary stress if you don't need to. But there are times where that kind of crops up and happens in our life. The sources of our worry come from three things. You can write these down. From people. Sometimes people cause us to worry. You have a son or daughter. Maybe you worry about them. Maybe you have an aged spouse who's not doing so well health-wise. You worry about them. So sometimes people are a cause for our worry. Sometimes there's people in our life that are none too pleasant, and they create worry for us. Problems also create worry. It could be financial problems. You lose a lot of sleep over those. Health problems, relationship problems. These problems create great worry anxiety, and restlessness in our own life. That even though we love God and we trust him, there are times where our problems get to seem to be too big for us. The third thing is pressure. The things that we need to do. It's not even that there's any problems right now. There's just too much to do and there's only one of you. And there's either one of two options. And sometimes you can't get out of it. Sometimes life just kind of falls in a certain way. God's put you through a season where everything just kind of falls on you, and that's just the way it is for the time being. And there's just not enough time in the day. There's not enough of you to get it all done, and so there's pressure to get it all done. This uh, last couple of weeks have been particularly busy for me, and my wife notices that I've been a little bit more jittery than usual. And what that means is that means I've drank too much coffee because I have too much to do, and I have to keep going. And if I stop going, I'll just rest. And rest for a good long time. Like on the couch, comatose rest. And so in a way, you kind of know, if I stop for a minute, I'm going to find myself not doing anything. And if I don't do anything, then things are not going to get done, and I'm going to be more stressed out than I was before. So I just don't stop. I do stop eventually when I go to sleep. But I'm kind of just always like this, just going, going, going. Pressure, though, is when there's too much to do, not enough time, not enough of you to be able to get it all done, and you're just feeling the weight on every side. Sometimes in our quiet times of prayer, those things that we need to do will come to mind, and we'll start to feel the pressure. So, so funny that you should do this, that when we pray, it's one of the rare moments where we're actually not distracted. Or at least it should be. When you pray, you kind of sit down and you focus and you kind of close your eyes and you spend time with the Lord. And all the things that you hadn't thought about to that point decide to crop up. All things that you need to do start coming to mind. I find this is the case in the shower too. Sometimes you step in the shower and you're like doing good and then 12 things come to mind that you need to do. Why? Because we live very distracted lives. We usually have our phones or we have a tablet or something in front of us all the time it's doing. And so our brains are not necessarily used to us resting. So when we do rest, 
That's when all the things come up. That's why when you sleep, you can't sleep, right? You go to bed, and what happens? Think. Why? Because you haven't allowed yourself to think all day long. You've been too busy. You've been too distracted. So your brain's like, oh, by the way, it's good to see that you're, you have nothing else to think about right now, so let me give you some things to think about, which you, I'm sure you're very appreciative at the time when those things come to mind, and then you're up till one in the morning, and then you're exhausted the next day. Worry is just a normal part of our life, but God can grant us peace. Do you believe that today? God can grant us peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast upon you. He, meaning God, will keep you in perfect peace as long as your mind is steadfast, unmovable, fixated upon God. Do you believe that today? God is able to give us peace. But we're so busy that we can't think about peace. God grants peace to those who set their minds on him instead of their circumstances. So that brings us to Philippians 4 today. Let's look at it together. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 9. Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let me pause there. When you're stressed, your gentleness is certainly not known to all men. Am I right? <laughs> when you're overwhelmed, when there's too much going on in your life, any, you are anything but gentle. One of the things we try and work on in our family that we don't always do well at is that when we're stressed, listen, they're not part of the problem. Like if I'm trying to help you with homework or if my wife's trying to help me with something I need to do, she's not coming at me because she's trying to get something out of me or she's upset with me. But when I'm stressed out, I can only speak for me, but sometimes it comes, I know I need to do that, right? I know you've never done that yourself. I know you've never flown off the handle because you've got something else going on in your life and you've never gone off on your spouse or your children or your extended family or anything like that. But what's that mean? We, our gentleness needs to be evident to all even when we're overwhelmed, okay? So moving on from there. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand, meaning his coming is soon. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That's a wonderful thought. He says, if you just do these things, not only will you find uh, peace that is unexplainable, but you will also have the God of peace with you. And so I want you to think about the first thing here that I notice is that it's the choice to rejoice. The word rejoice means to find joy again. You can write that down. The, The word rejoice means to find joy again. It's not a feeling or an experience. This is not about being happy. Joy is not about being happy. You can be filled with joy, but joy in and of itself is not just being happy, being carefree, but it's a conscious choice. Scriptures tell us to rejoice in the Lord always. Our joy should be continuous and contagious. Continuous in that we should find joy in the Lord in every circumstance, not just the good ones, 
but joy in every circumstance that the Lord is with me, that I find joy in that. So it's continuous. My joy is not up and down. My joy is not starting and then stopping, but my joy is a regular part of my life. Contagious in the sense that a joyful attitude is contagious. When people are happy, when people, if you've ever been in a room where people are laughing, you'll find yourself laughing too. If not for anything, the fact that the way that the person's laughing is so hilarious that you'll start laughing too. You don't even know why you're laughing. Joy is continuous and contagious. And so as we walk with the Lord, our joy should be contagious. Conversely, on the flip side of the coin, negativity is also contagious. But it's a matter of what you traffic in more than others. Are you walking in negativity or are you walking in joy? I can tell you the difference. Here's the difference, okay? You want to know how? You want to see a good indicator of whether or not you're trafficking one or the other? When you walk into a room, do people walk towards you or away from you? They walk away from you, all you're doing is bringing bad news. All you're doing is bringing people down. And believe me, and I say this in love, brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got that covered, okay? Like the weak does that for us, all right? We don't need help in being brought down. We don't need to hear about all the health problems, although as I'm getting older, I'm recognizing I have more of them at times, and they are something to talk about because I've got nothing else interesting going on in my life. But sometimes the tendency is all we do is talk about those things. When we hear those, we kind of go, all right, I'm going the other way. But if there's someone that brings joy, someone that brings encouragement, someone that brings love into a situation, a person like that will draw others to themselves. So you gotta ask yourself, which are you walking in and dwelling in in these things? Where does this joy come from? It's not from our circumstances. But the joy that we have comes from the Lord. And that's important because when you're pressed and stressed, you need strength and strength doesn't come from within you. Understand that when you, you are stressed and pressed and anxious, you don't have strength in you. So where are you going to find strength? The strength comes from the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What does that tell us? If we don't have any joy, then we don't have any strength. No joy, no strength. This joy that comes from the Lord, we're like, well, what is the joy of the Lord? How is the joy of the Lord our strength? The joy of the Lord is knowing that you are forgiven and saved and you belong to God. Scripturally speaking, the joy of the Lord is forgiveness, salvation, and acceptance in God. So if you look at it that way, instead of I feel happy today or I don't feel happy today, it changes everything because your understanding is different. My focus is on the Lord. My focus is on heaven. My focus is on what God's given me. And because I have that, I can find peace. I can find joy in my circumstances. This is why King David prayed in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Psalm 51 was written after David messed up like really bad. Real bad. If you know the story of King David's life, you'll look upon it and you go, that, that guy messed up bad. 
And he was confronted with his own sin. And he goes and repents of Psalm 51 as a recording of his repentance. And he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He wasn't saying, make me happy now, God, because I messed up. What he was saying is, Lord, give me the sense and the understanding and the assurance that you still love me, that I'm still saved, and that I'm forgiven. And for us, when we go into life, we have to say to ourselves, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, help me to keep in perspective that I am forgiven, I am loved, and I am saved, and I belong to God. I don't know about you right now. You should be happy right now just saying that. If I feel myself happy just saying that in this moment that I'm forgiven, I'm loved, and I'm saved by God. And no one can take that away from me. No one can take that away from you. That should be encouraging to you. Good job, Pastor Dan. Time to wake up and understand the, the joy that we have, the strength that we have that comes from the joy of the Lord in our salvation. We can take confidence in his love. We can take confidence in him, what we have in Jesus. How God feels about you does not change with your circumstances. Your circumstances make you feel like God loves you less. But I want to tell you that God loves you the same in your circumstances. The joy of the Lord is our hope for the future. Even the people of Israel, when there's times that they were messed up badly, there's times that they were under God's judgment, the prophets would always speak words of consolation and comfort and hope for the future. And that would give them joy. So how do we find peace? Well, our first focus should be on prayer. Focus on prayer. When life is stressful, when we're worried, we need to learn to respond with prayer. And you know the little cliches that prayer should be your first response and not your last resort, right? Prayer should be your steering wheel, not your spare tire, right? We know those things. And Robert Leitner had this insight on the difference between prayer and petition. Prayer describes a believer's approach to God. Petition emphasizes requesting an answer to a specific need. So prayer is about how we come to God, the means by which we approach God. And petition is asking him and bringing those needs before him. Praying specifically is important, yet God knows what we need before we ask for. Matthew 6, 8 says, don't keep babbling like the pagans. Your father knows what you have need of before you ask. But how many know that your heavenly father wants you to ask him for help? Like a father that wants to help their child, all they're waiting for sometimes is just for their child to say, Dad, can you help me? There's something about that that as a, as a parent you just look forward to, to know that you're still useful, to know that they care about what you say, to know that they want your advice or they want you to show them how to do something. As a father, you want to do that. You want to hear them ask you. And so God is no different in this is that he knows you need it, but he wants to talk to you. And the way that he talks to us is through prayer. He wants us to be able to come to him because he wants to help us And we come to him through prayer and we show our dependency upon him. Verse 6 and 7 is an encouragement for prayer. It says, do not be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace 
which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's break that down a little bit. Don't be anxious about anything. Worry and anxiety can have a physical and spiritual reaction. It can be both paralyzing and depressing. When people are stressed, they say, I can't deal with that right now. So we forego the things that help us deal with the situation. But Jesus encouraged people to, in Matthew 6 to go into their prayer closet and pray and to find a quiet place. And when we do this, we are giving our opportunity for God to intervene in our situation. Oftentimes we're too busy and we say, well, I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for church. I don't have time for spending time in the Word. But that's the time that we're going to find strength. That's the time we're going to find peace. Even if I like, said nothing else in this sermon today and just told you, if you just spent some time praying about the things that are stressing out, God would give you peace immediately. Wouldn't that be enough? You could leave here today and say, you know what, I'm leaving here today and I'm just going to try that prayer thing or I'm going to get back to that prayer thing because I understand that God will give me peace if I do. If there's nothing else in these verses here today and there's a whole lot in there, you can say, okay, you want peace, you want to be able to center yourself, you want to find wholeness, spend time with God and God will grant you peace. We need to be able to pray. It says, in everything, did you hear that? In everything, every situation, every circumstance, every thought, every need, every desire, every diagnosis, every bit of bad news, in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. So there isn't something that God's not bothered by. You just, sometimes we're like, well, I don't want to bother God with that. God is infinite. He is omnipresent and omniscient, all-knowing. He already knows what you're going through. So you're not bothering God by bringing it to his attention. You're asking God for help. And God is willing to help us. And so we should get past the idea of like, well, I can ask God for this, but I can't ask God for that because I, I, it seems too trivial. It seems too minor. You know, God's got a lot of other people to think about. Yes, he does. There's almost 7 billion people on this planet, and he still has time for you. Can we just pause for a moment? I want you to think about that. 7 billion people on this planet. God cares about you. A multitude of problems, millions of problems on this planet. And he cares about yours. And he wants to hear from you. In everything, by prayer and petition, make your uh, requests known to God. It says, do so with thanksgiving. Be grateful and thankful for what God's done and what he's going to do. Because what God has already done is a promise, an indicator of what he will always do. And that he will always do greater. He always outdoes himself from one situation to the next. And we have to remind ourselves and be thankful for where we are. I bet you anything in the world right now that you can find something to be thankful for. You can find something to be grateful for, even in the middle of your stressful week, that there was some glimpse and glimmer of hope that God gave you a little smile that he gave you to let you know that he's looking out for you. Make your requests known to God. Bring them before him. And the peace of God that passes under all understanding, the God of peace, 
which passes all understanding, will flood your life. Now, I can tell you there have been times where I've been praying for something, and nothing that I'm aware of has changed. The deadline's still the deadline. The bill is still the bill. The, the need to go to the doctor is still the need to go to the doctor. Nothing on the exterior has changed. But somehow, some way, I get up from my knees and I'm, I find peace. I'm calm. I'm reassured that I know that God's on it because I've gone to him in prayer. So in those things, I take peace in that, even though I don't know anything that's going to unfold. But then I'll see God start to bring things together and to line things up and put things together. But those things would not have happened if I didn't pray. And so there's a piece that passes understanding. People will even look at you and go, how are you still holding it together? How can you be so calm in this situation? And you can say, it's the Lord. God's given me peace. He's given me strength through this. I can get through this. Yes, it's hard. You might even say this has been hard on you emotionally and mentally. But you can say, you know, God has been with me through this, and I just have a peace about it. And the God of peace and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to underline that if you can. Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The idea of guarding is standing watch, not letting anything through, defending your peace and your heart. I want you to think about that. So it's going to guard your heart and your mind. It's standing watch. It's not letting anything through. It's kind of like the bouncer, okay? You don't have a ticket, you're not getting through. If you're not on the list, you're not getting through. We have to have in our own minds at times that when things try and come into us and come against us, the thought that comes to mind, we have to guard our minds in Christ Jesus and say, no. Yeah, but no, not allowed, because I have a peace, and can I just challenge you? Maintain it. Maintain the peace that God's given you. That doesn't mean that you ignore your husband or you ignore your children or you ignore your boss. I'm not talking about that where like, you know, you're trying to steal my peace, brother, so be quiet. I'm talking about whatever comes your way, you're saying, I hear you, I know what I need to do, but it's not unsettling me on the inside. It's guarding my thoughts. It's guarding my heart. My heart is the seat of my emotions. It's who I am. It's where, where I tend to get being. Okay, I'm Italian, all right? There's times where I get a little upset. I get a little fidgety. Sometimes I speak with my hands, okay? It happens. But, you know, I guard my heart so that my reactions aren't a certain way. And so I'm protecting myself. God's peace is protecting me and watching over me. Peace brings and guarding brings security. It protects your mind from going down a negative path. It safeguards your heart from needless fear. It reassures the soul that God is with you. It is Christ that covers us, surrounds us, and keeps us. It will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. As one commentator said, in Christ we have peace with God and peace from God. Peace with God saying, I'm saved, I've been forgiven, and now I'm no longer an enemy of God, but I'm a friend of God. So I have peace with God. But I also have peace that comes from God, that whatever I'm going through, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me. I have peace that comes from God. It's not just that we're okay, but that God's gonna make everything with me and everybody else that I'm dealing with okay as well. God gives us peace. So don't let anyone or anything Take the peace that Christ Jesus has given you. 
You decide what to do with that. You can either let your worries and your thoughts come back and take away your peace, or you can return to the practice that brought you peace in the first place. You know what I'm talking about? So if you have a day where it's like you prayed in the morning and then you got bad news in the afternoon or your day's been particularly stressful and busy and you go through the day and all of a sudden you're feeling yourself restless, anxious, angry, upset, sad, whatever the case might be. You know what? Where you know where you find your peace is by going back to that place of prayer. Repeating exactly what you did before. And the God of peace and the peace of pastors, all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Go to that place of prayer as a reaction. So the first focus is prayer. The second one is keeping, is focus on keeping your peace. So the second thing is fo- uh, focus on keeping your peace. It's one thing to have peace, but it's another thing to keep that peace. Peace needs to be defended. Peace needs to be kept In order for peace to be kept secure, you have to have confidence in the one who has the power to keep the peace. We live in this country, the United States of America. We enjoy peace, prosperity, and freedom for the time being. Okay. But that's only kept that way from foreign powers as long as there is an army that protects us and maintains the peace. So peace doesn't mean anything unless there's someone defending peace. And so Christ is our defense. He is the one that stands at the ready. He is the one that gives us the joy of the Lord as our strength to defend us from those things that take away our peace. God has given you peace in prayer. Now don't let anyone or anything take it from you. Peace comes through prayer. God gives us peace when we pray, but your thoughts will rob you of peace if you let them get away from you. Here's the key. Verses 8 and 9 of Philippians. He says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. These things which you have learned and you have heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So there's two parts. One, praying brings you peace. Two, keeping your peace by focusing your thoughts. So let's give, look at the list that Paul gave us. He says, focus on whatever things are true. Most of your peace is going to be taken away by things that are not true. Or a scenario or circumstance that you think is going to be a worst case scenario that is absolutely not true. It is your mind going down the worst possible path. I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to lose my son or my daughter. I'm going to lose my house. I mean, nothing said that that's happened yet. But your brain does. And the thoughts coming into your head from different sources are saying that, but that's not true. You determine what is false and what is true by what you're hearing, and you combat falsehood with truth. Watch the news at any given time. Look at the headlines and some things they say. The headline will be completely different than what the article says. But what did it do? It grabbed your attention with something that was false. The article's not even about that. It's clickbait. It's a distraction, but it got a rise out of you and you went down that road. These days, it's hard to discern who's telling the truth from who isn't. There's such distrust today, whether it comes to the news, whether it comes to media, whether it comes to politicians, there's such distrust today, and rightfully so, because none of us know who to believe anymore. 
So what do we do? Do we listen to the news? Do we listen to everything else and we forget like trusting anyone? No, we got to focus on what is true and focus on truth. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got to focus on the truth of God's word. In a time where we don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore, we need to focus on the truth. We have to focus on what's true about God, about our neighbor, and about ourselves. That sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I'm no good. God doesn't love me. He's thrown me away. It's been a while since I've been in church, so God doesn't have anything left for me. I'm too old. I'm too young. Whatever the circumstance might be, they're not true. But if you get back into the Word and see the words of truth, you would know that. You would know that God's Word says otherwise. So whatever is true is focusing on what is right, what is correct, and what does God's Word say about it. Whatever is honorable or noble. This means having or showing fine qualities of high moral principles or ideas. It also means being born to a higher class. When you're born again, you are born into God's kingdom. And we become sons and daughters of God. Our purpose is higher. Our speech and action should reflect that calling. So set your mind on honorable things, on right things. Recognize that you're not part of the old way you used to live anymore, but you, now you are part and born into the the kingdom of God, you are sons and daughters of God, so conduct yourselves in a noble and godly way. Whatever things are pure, these are things that are morally upright. You know, the Philippians lived in a godless culture. They lived in a pagan culture. The influences of the culture were all around them. One of the encouragements that Paul is trying to encourage them and others is to stay pure in heart to don't conform to the the morality of the day, but rather to keep your heart right and your motives pure. When things don't go our way, sometimes we're tempted to compromise or to approach things from a worldly standpoint instead of a godly one. You know, that we see something and when people insult us, what is our inclination? We want to insult them back instead of turning the other cheek. When people do harm to us, we say, well, we want to do harm to them. Or the way that people deal with their stresses or problems, they find very worldly ways to deal with them, to kind of cope with things. Do we go that route, or are we choosing to be pure and upright in the way that we live, in the way that we serve, and the way we deal with things? Whatever things are lovely. Have you ever been so stressed and overwhelmed, but then you see your wife? or your spouse, or your kids, and all of those things melt away. I, get, I can't tell you the number of times that, like, when I just come home and, like, you know how you have that, that tightness because you're just wound so tightly, and someone comes along and just hugs you. Like, I've got my, I've got my son who's got this big draping hug. He's, like, six feet, whatever. He's got arms that are super long. Like, he can hug me and the whole family together. I still touch fingers. Or when my wife sees I'm stressed out, she kind of comes in and you just kind of like feel your shoulders fall and you feel like your breath kind of comes back into your lungs. You know, there's whatever is lovely helps us with our stress. Sometimes it's about coming home and so just being able, it's the first time you sat down all day 
and you're sitting down and you say, this is nice. Or you're out in the back patio where you have the, you know, the patio furniture and you got the fire pit or whatever the case may be. It's a beautiful day outside. It's not too cold yet. And you're like, this is lovely. If you want to alleviate your stress, take some time to focus on the things that are lovely in your life. There are beautiful things along the way. Yeah, but pastor, it's just been a, this has been an awful year for me and it's been hard. You're preaching to the choir. Okay, I know. It's been terrible. I get it. Yeah, but this week, you don't know what this week's been like. I understand. But is there something lovely you can point to that helps you with that? Focus on those things. Whatever things are of good report in the Old Testament, a bad report could change the perspective of the entire group of people. Twelve spies are sent into the promised land. Moses sends them out. Why he did, I don't know. They already had the initiative to go into the promised land, but instead they send a committee, which is always a bad idea, by the way, to determine whether or not it's viable for us to go into the promised land. Never mind the, the CEO, God said go. Like, I will give you victory. Well, let's, let's see what the people think. Send 12 people in. If you send 12 people to discuss anything, they're not all going to agree anyway. Ten completely said this is a bad idea. Two had a good report. The rest had a bad report. Who did the people listen to? The people with a bad report. So a negative report, a bad report can color you completely against a person, against an effort, against a circumstance. How many times have you maybe shared something with somebody that you were excited about in God and someone thought it was dumb or stupid and you just kind of gave it up because they had a bad report to say about it? How many times have you thought about visiting a church or going to see a pastor and people say, well, that pastor is this or that pastor is that. I will never say anything bad about another pastor. It is not an easy job. Don't you say anything bad about them either. I don't care what church you've been to. Let God deal with that person. You know what I mean? So let's be upright in that. So our, our report, the things that we say, not everything requires a review. Okay, we live in an age of Google reviews, uh, reviews on Yelp, reviews on other things, and we're just like, well, I need to review, and recommendations, and we take recommendations from complete strangers about major decisions for our life, home repairs, who we should have watch our dog, who's a good babysitting service. We're asking complete strangers for advice. But how about we just stick with the good report? Sometimes a bad report will keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Now, this doesn't mean just focus when, you know, things are bad. It doesn't mean ignore the bad, okay? Like if your finances are bad, don't be like, it's all gonna be good because God's in it. You know, no, you need to deal with those. You need to pay your bills, okay? Still need to go to work. Still need to do the things you need to do. But like trusting God in that. I'm talking about the bad report in the sense like it's all gonna be downhill from here. You're going to lose everything. Nothing's going to be good about this. Don't believe that for a second. As long as you have faith and as long as you're walking with God and as long as you're praying, there's nothing God can't do in your circumstances. If it's virtuous or praiseworthy, think on these things. Praiseworthy. Choose to focus on what God has done. I mean, really think about it. If you were to take your mind, can you just close your eyes for just a moment? I just want to think about it. And I hope you can do this with me. Just take one moment, close your eyes with me, just one moment, and I want you to think about one good thing that God did this week. Just think about it. I know it's there because God won't completely ignore you all week long because you are his and 
You belong to him. You're his son, his daughter. I bet you you can look to one thing this week, one moment where he made you smile, one moment where he blessed you in some way, one moment that he encouraged you. There's an opportunity there. Think on the things that are praiseworthy. You can open your eyes now. Some of you still have your eyes closed. All I'm saying is that it's easy to miss the little ways that God's blessing you when your week is an absolute dumpster fire. It's absolutely true that you can miss out on the small ways God's with you, that he's blessed you in the middle of a week that's very difficult. Know that God has done great things for you in the past, and he will do great things again. If it's praiseworthy, think on these things. And Paul says, meditate on these things. To meditate means to think about, consider, to dwell on these things. Oftentimes, we as people dwell on the negative. We dwell on the worst case scenario. We dwell on the impending doom of the situation. The irony in all this is that usually two weeks after the deadline passes, or the doctor's visit goes by, usually it's fine. There'll be times I'll ask people, how are things? Oh, it worked out okay. But leading up to that, it was like the world was falling apart. It's like the sky was falling. So what's happened, what's changed is that we just have a very short view of things at times. We're to consider and dwell on the good. Sometimes it's easy to focus on the bad because the stress of the situation looms large. But to meditate on these things means that we sit, we focus our thoughts and attention on the things that were mentioned above. Dwell on them. Thank God for them. Start to change the way you think about the circumstance and situation. Remember who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. Paul said in verse 9, it's like the things you learned and received and heard saw in me, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul says essentially if you do these things, the God of peace will be with you in your circumstances. Jesus is the peace giver. John 14, 27. I just want to remind you of this because like, you know, we sometimes forget that he's our Savior, he's our Lord. You know, we know about the love of God. We know about faith. But do you realize that he's the one that gives peace too? John 14, 27. Jesus said these words to his disciples and he was about to leave. Okay, John 14, 15 and 16. Meeting with his disciples. Leading up to the Last Supper, his arrest. And he's encouraging them. He's saying, I'm leaving you, but, but don't be nervous about that. I'm with you, even though I'm not physically with you in the room. He says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. You notice that part? Don't let yourself be troubled. In other words, there's always that possibility you can be troubled, but it's up to you whether you want to let yourself be troubled. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like you choose whether you want to let that get to you or not. You choose whether you want, in the disciples' case, the, what are we going to do without him? What's going to happen to him? Why hasn't he explained to us where he's going and what he's doing? Like what, and we need to know. By the way, I'm a type of person I always need to know stuff to feel better. But unfortunately with God, he doesn't always let you know how that's going to happen which can be very unsettling at times. You're like, well, I need to know, God, you gotta run this by me because I need to know if this is the right course of action. 
as though somehow God has to consult me about my life, about what to do. He doesn't. He is Lord, and I must trust him as such. If I'm going to lay things down before him, I need to trust that he's going to take care of it, whether I know what's going to happen or not. Don't let yourself be troubled, and don't be afraid. Isaiah 9, 6 says that he is the Prince of Peace. It's his title. It's what he does. Isaiah 26, excuse me, uh, Psalm uh, 23, verse 6 said, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused and stayed upon him. So when you're praying, when you're done at the end of the day, when you get up in the morning and you're praying about things and God gives you that peace, continue to walk in that peace. Sometimes you're too quick to pick up the phone and let it ring again or to read a text. Can I just say I leave it like about, for about half an hour after I've prayed so I can kind of just, just germinate in that peace for a little bit. Walk in that peace. Because sometimes you see, oh, the doctor's office called. Oh, you got a text from your neighbor. Oh, th- your dog got out. Whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden everything's like, it's gone out the window. Why? Because we've gone right back to the things that stressed us out. Can I encourage you that when you're done with your moment of peace, walk in it for a little bit. And change the way you think about things so you're not letting anyone take your peace. Any, n- not let anyone or anything take your peace away. And when it, the temptation is to think about those things in a negative way, when the temptation is to think about this is going to go down the wrong path, or whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is pure, think about those things. Let that come to your mind this week. Every day you're going through your, your, your work week or dealing with your family or the circumstances, like, I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to dwell on these things, not on the other things. And I'm not going to let anyone take the peace that I have in Christ Jesus. He's guarding the peace. Your mind is the gateway. I'm not going to let anybody pass the door. Yes, all these things are coming to me. I have to deal with them. But they're not going to get deep in here and unsettle me. That's the decision we make. Think about this. And I say this in love. If your peace is gone, it's not because God took it from you. It's because you allowed something else to take it away. We should say that when worry starts to creep in again, we should train our minds to say, I've prayed about it. God's working on it. And I'm going to leave it right there. When it comes up, say, what about this? What about this? And your mind will do that. The enemy will do it. People in your life will do it. What about this? What about... I prayed about it. God's working on it. I'm going to leave it in his hands. <laughs> Think about that. Say it this way. I've prayed about it. God's working on it. I'm going to leave it in his hands. And you do what you need to do, but don't let it take away your peace. When you receive peace, walk in his peace and protect the peace you've been given. And maybe you're in a place now where you feel like peace is missing from your life or all the peace that you might have had is gone. I want you to know today that God is the one who grants us peace. He's the one that's able to give us peace when we are overwhelmed. But we have to be willing to come to him with those things. To pray to him, to seek his face, to ask for his help. Thank you for listening. 
We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.